Welcome to the Harbor Church Weekly Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information, visit us online at www.theharborli.com. Well, tonight we are uh, closing out our series, Throwing Shade, that we've been in these last couple weeks. And, um, you know, I I came across a a little story this week that made me laugh and made me really think about this series. I was reading about when Muhammad Ali was at the, the prime of his boxing career. This man who is just looked at as this invincible, unbeatable public figure. He found himself on a commercial flight. At one point, he was doing some traveling. And uh, this, this poor flight attendant happened to be walking down the aisle when she happened to notice that there was a man who had not fastened his seatbelt yet. And as she was approaching the man, she quickly realized that it was Mr. Muhammad Ali himself. And she had this internal battle for a brief second of how am I going to tell this invincible superstar to buckle a seatbelt. And, you know, she quickly said, oh, he's got a buckle. So she came up to Mr. Uh, Ali and she said, Mr. Ali, I'm going to need to ask you to please buckle your seatbelt. And Muhammad Ali got a smile on his face and he looked back up at the stewardess and he said, sweetheart, Superman don't need no seatbelt. To which she responded, "Uh, Superman don't need no plane fasten your seatbelt. And you know, it, it is so true that there is no Superman, there's no Wonder Woman. And um, maybe contrary to popular belief, there's no super Christian. And, and there's never going to be a point in your walk with Jesus. It doesn't matter how, how much you read your Bible. It doesn't matter how many conferences you go to or how faithful you are with your church attendance. There is never going to be a point in your Christian walk where you are now above temptation. We all deal with seasons of temptation. We all go through it. And so this series, Throw in Shade, has been around really fixing our perspective on what it is, why it's there. So we started week one by looking at the approach of temptation, how Satan will use it. And we talked about the fact that temptation will try your faith, that, that Satan will do everything that he can do to twist and manipulate God's word and try to confuse things in your mind and try to discourage you and manipulate you however he can. And we talked about the, the principle that temptation is not always an indication that you're not in a good spot. Temptation is an indication that there are amazing things in your future. And so it has so much less to do with the present, and it has everything to do with your destiny has everything to do with your purpose in Jesus. You know, we we can fall into the trap of thinking that as I grow as a believer, those things should should fall by the wayside. As I begin to make progress, as I begin to grow, then I should be dealing with things less. But how many people could attest that it's oftentimes when I begin to make some really good decisions, it's oftentimes where I start to gain some traction and gain some ground and begin to make a difference that it seems like all of a sudden the attacks ramp up. Because Satan will do whatever he can do to derail you. He will do whatever he can do to get you to sidestep God's plan for your life. He, he's not even above using God-given desires. And if he can get you to try to get those things without submitting to God, he will. Temptation will try your faith. Second week, we looked at the fact that we have control over our response to temptation. So temptation will test your fight. And we talked about the fact that spiritual growth isn't just measured in wins and losses, but it's measured in your willingness to fight. Okay, so 
if, if God knew that when you became a Christian, you now had the ability to never give in to temptation again, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. God knows you're not perfect. God knows you're human. He's not expecting you to bat a thousand from here on out. But in the same token, Jesus didn't come to earth and die on the cross for you and me for us to just roll over and give in to temptation every time it comes. We are more than conquerors through Jesus. I'm no longer enslaved to what I get hit with. I'm no longer enslaved to what I'm faced with. And so we talked about the the true mark of a Christian who's pursuing what God has for them is their willingness to fight, their willingness to resist, their willingness to not give in, to submit to God and to resist the enemy. And we've been looking at the story of Jesus himself, the Son of God, being tempted in the desert by Satan. We've been taking some cues off of how Jesus was able to handle the situation. And so tonight, as we've looked at the approach of temptation, our response to temptation, I just want to end this little series out by by looking at the effect that temptation can have on you. I I believe when we see these things clearly, it will help aid us in our decision-making process when we're faced with these things. So instead of just looking at temptation as just a depressing, discouraging event, that continues to happen. I want you to view temptation as a tipping point. Temptation merely as a tipping point. See, temptation has the ability to have drastically different effects on your spiritual walk. Temptation can can fold you or it can fortify you. Temptation has the ability to strip you or to strengthen you. Temptation has the ability to to break your morale and break your confidence, or it has the ability to to really make you and to to, to solidify where you're going and and what God is doing at the moment in your life. See, we, we can't always control what we face, when it comes, how it comes, but what we can always control is our perspective towards it. What we can always control is our response when it happens. And if you can focus on your perspective towards temptation and you can focus on controlling your, your response to temptation, ultimately you are going to have an effect, uh, a, a result on the effect of temptation. You're going to have control over, over the tipping point of, of what begins to happen in your life. So for you to see these these two drastically different results. I want to I show you uh, what the intended outcomes are for temptations as well as trials and tests. I want to make a distinction for you tonight between the way that difficult times come from the enemy and the way that difficult times can come from God. So James 1.12 says this. It says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. So James is making a very clear distinction here that Satan uses temptation, God does not. Satan uses temptation, God will oftentimes use tests and trials. And so maybe you're like, how am I supposed to tell the difference between the two? Well, I want to I show you really quick. Temptation is meant to tear you down. Temptation is, is meant to break you. Temptation's ultimate goal is to lead you to sin. Now, now Satan's main objective in life is, is to try to separate you from God. Now, 
thankfully, because of what Jesus has done for us and because of this grace and this love like we just sang about that's extravagant and unthinkable, unimaginable, that's eternal and unending. There's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. But how many people know that oftentimes when I give in to temptation, when, when I begin to sin, it's not Jesus pulling away from me, but it's oftentimes me pulling away from Jesus. You know, the devil is so good at making something look so appealing, so enticing, like I really need it. And the moment that I make the decision to entertain it, to do it, to accept it, to take part in it, he's right there to then backhand me with shame and embarrassment and guilt. And then, and then I start to pull away from God because I start to feel like I'm not worthy to be around God because I just went back to things that I said I would never do again. And I've, I've, I begin to say things and act and, and partake in things that I'm just ashamed of and I, I'm embarrassed and and then I, I begin to feel like a hypocrite, which is really the biggest lie of all because Satan will try to tell you that it would be hypocritical of you to go back to God doing what you did. But the reality is the hypocrisy was you going back to sin after you've already been saved. Going back to Jesus after you've made a bad decision is the most natural, amazing thing that you can do. That is why Jesus died on the cross. So the next time that you feel the need to start to put some separation in between you and God you can recognize that's not from God. Jesus came to eliminate the space between us. Jesus died for me knowing I was a sinner, knowing I needed grace. Temptation is what Satan uses to tear you down, and it's his best effort to try to get you to put separation in between you and God. God will never use temptation. Now, God will never bring temptation. God will allow us to walk through tests and trials. Now, tests and trials are not meant to tear you down. They're meant to build you up. Tests and trials are meant to fortify you, to strengthen you, to grow you, to mature you. You know, most, most professions in here, there are some uh, regulations that you have to do. There are uh, things that you have to practice. You have to further your education. There may be drills that you have to do or things that you have to, to practice in, in order to, to ensure that you really know what you're doing, in order to ensure that if something happened, you would be confident enough in, in what needed to happen, in which order, and how you were supposed to handle the situation. And those things aren't meant to break you. They're meant to build you up so that you can fulfill the duties and responsibilities of that position. God is constantly working to mature us and grow us into the people that we were called to be. Tests and trials don't pull you away from God. They're meant to pull you to God. Tests and trials aren't to, to build you up so that you don't feel like you need them. No, they're the very thing that is a magnet to you, for you to say, Jesus, I need you more. God, I need you more. God, I, I, I can't do this on my own. And so if you're ever wondering, is this tough time God or is this tough time Satan? Well, is it, is it meant to build you up or is it meant to break you? Now, this is the amazing thing. You're like, well, what if I choose wrong? The awesome thing is that even though God will never send temptation your way, Romans 8 tells us that God uses all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So even though God will never send temptation your way, what God has sent is a way of escape. What we talked about last week is that even though God does not use temptation, God has already equipped you and empowered all of us with what we need to be able to escape that temptation. We even saw that God will screen the severity and the nature of every temptation, making sure that we're not going to be tempted beyond what we can bear. 
Temptation is not the sin. Giving into temptation is the sin. And so it, it, it is so amazing when you begin to realize that God can even use the attack of the enemy on my life and my future for my good. I want to show you an example in this story that we've been reading about Jesus. Matthew 4 says, afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus, speaking of after his baptism, led Jesus into the lonely wilderness in order to reveal his strength against the accuser by going through the ordeal of testing. You can see right now in Matthew 4, the Holy Spirit, knowing that Satan is about to try to derail Jesus' destiny, God had already made the decision that he was going to use that to strengthen Jesus. Satan was headed into a desert to be tempted by the devil. Everything that the devil was tempting Jesus with was meant to derail him from his God-given destiny. But God had already determined, I'm going to use this to strengthen my son. You see in Luke 4, it says, When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. You know, I was joking around week one about how I would have thought that the best time for Jesus to start his earthly ministry, I mean, when he had all the momentum, when everything was clicking on all cylinders, I would have thought the opportune time would have been when Jesus is baptized and the Holy Spirit descends on him like a dove and the heavens open and God's voice comes down and he's saying, this is my son in whom I'm all pleased. I mean, what better of a send off can you get than that? But Jesus' ministry didn't start after that event. So for me, a close second would have been after that event. Jesus decides to fast out of obedience and submission to God for 40 days. That's a long time. That is a long time. I mean, I, I, I think that after being called by God and, and confirmed in that way, then Jesus having the obedience to fast for 40 days, how, how cool would it have been that after that fast, then Jesus would have been sent out into ministry. But, but it didn't happen at that point either. It was actually after he was baptized, and it was after he had, had fasted for 40 days, that, that he was led into the desert to be tempted. I want you to see something tonight. Jesus left his baptism and went into the desert anointed, confirmed, and called by God. Jesus left the desert being tempted in power. Jesus left the desert in power. He left the desert different than, than how he went in. God used the temptation of the enemy to strengthen Jesus. There was something about the obedience that Jesus showed, the submission that he showed to God, him choosing to resist the devil, that then he left the desert, not just called, not just anointed, not just confirmed, but he left in power. And it was out of a season of temptation. He was anointed in public. He was tempted in private. It was out of a series of temptation in private that his public ministry was launched that he left in power, that, that word about Jesus began to spread. Come on, I want to tell you tonight that when you and I make the decision that I am not going to fold to temptation, I'm not just going to give in anymore. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to choose to have strong faith. And I'm going to try my absolute best to submit to God, to fight, and to resist. When you are able 
to either resist temptation or you are able to, to go through a trial or a test in a way that is, is, is godly, in a way that God ordains, not only are you glorifying God, but you will leave that season strengthened. There's something about submission and obedience that will lead to a greater anointing and a greater power from God. The, the, the space that I have been tempted to give into, I now am taking that space and saying, I'm not giving in, I'm giving this to God. And God is always faithful to fill those places. See, really with temptation, we're forced with a decision. I can either appease my flesh because my flesh wants to do one thing. My desires want to do one thing. My sinful nature is pointing me to this thing that I want, this thing that I need, this thing that I feel justified in doing or partaking in or experiencing. I can either appease my flesh or I can make the decision to appeal to God. This is what's so cool about it. When I appeal to God because, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't resist this on my own. I can't fight this on my own. God, I need you. The very temptation that was meant to bring separation in between me and God, God now uses to pull me closer to him. Temptation is an opportunity for you to grow closer to God. Temptation is a way for you to begin to know the Holy Spirit and God in a whole new way. See, Satan knows that he loses. He, he knows how this whole thing ends. And so his strategy with you and me is all or nothing. It's feast or famine. He's throwing Hail Marys at this point. His whole goal is I'm going to just hit you with what I got, and I'm going to try to tempt you because if you can give in, then I know that you're going to feel ashamed and you're going to feel guilty and you're going to feel embarrassed, and I don't need to worry about Jesus pulling away from you. You're going to pull away from Jesus. But the other side of it is, when temptation comes, if I handle it in a godly way and I submit to God and I choose to resist and I choose to fight it and I don't appease the flesh, I appeal to God, I draw closer to him. The exact opposite scenario will begin to take place in my life. The only thought I want to give you tonight and I want to end this series with because it's an empowering thought. Instead of temptation just being this overwhelming and discouraging idea, I want to leave you with this thought. You can take opposition and use it to fortify your position in Christ. You can take opposition. You can take the very thing that the enemy has been toying with you over, that thing that has been haunting you for years, that monkey on your back, that thing that you have felt enslaved to, and you can come to the reality that I don't need to be enslaved to anything because Jesus didn't just die to save me. He died for my freedom. He died for my breakthrough. You can use that very thing that Satan has been toying with you with, and you can throw it right back in his face and say, instead of me pulling from God, I'm pulling closer to God. This thing isn't going to break me. This thing is going to make me into the man and the woman that God has called me to be. I was in a meeting uh, a couple of weeks ago with a couple of people, and uh, Pastor Allie was referencing this book that she was reading. And, and she began to say something that to me was absolutely unbelievable. I'm not, I'm not saying that I don't trust her, but I didn't know if I trust her in that moment. It was really unbelievable. And, uh, and, and I started asking her about it, 
And um and and afterwards she sent me some some screenshots of the the book and it it blew my mind. It, it was talking about the fact that in New Zealand almost half the birds can't fly. I know. That was my reaction too. What? First of all, I'm like, what are you reading? <laughs> but it's true. It's true. Almost half the birds in New Zealand can't fly. I'm like, what? What? That, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And so I, I began, she was explaining it to us, and then later I was able to read this passage in the book. And birds that need to fly in order to eat can still fly, but, but any birds that don't need to fly in order to eat have lost the ability to fly New Zealand. The reason why these birds can't fly is because there is a lack of predators in New Zealand. So they don't have snakes, they don't have bobcats, they don't have wolves or whatever the heck other animal eats birds. I don't know. They don't have these predators. And so because they don't have predators, they eventually end up losing the ability to fly because there's no need to fly to escape the opposition. See, opposition or attacks from a predator is what would force them to work out the muscles that they would need in those wings to take flight. Without opposition, they just stay comfortable. They don't work it out. There's no need for them to use those wings, and so they end up losing the ability to fly. The author even went on to say, who, who frequents New Zealand quite often, when you walk through New Zealand, you just see birds walking around, like scurrying around. And he said a bunch of species have actually lost their wings and they actually just have nubs now. <laughs> because they don't need to fly. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but the author began to, to say that even airplanes use opposing wind in order to get lift. A pilot is always conscious of which direction the wind is coming from and where it's going. Because an airplane is designed to head into opposing winds. It's opposing winds going over those wings that will give that airplane lift. You see, opposition will take you to places that being comfortable can never bring you. Attacks, even though they're not fun, even though we don't enjoy it, even though we always look at it as, a, as just a discouraging and depressing thing, it's actually just a tipping point. It's an opportunity for you to trust God more. It's an opportunity to just submit to him again and say, God, I need you. I, I, I'm going to draw closer. God, I really want to do this. God, this is hitting me where it hurts. God, this is bringing up things from my past. God, this is reminding me of things I don't want to think about. God, I need you. I need you. And yeah, I, I can't control the fact that this is coming up again, but what I can control is I'm going to look at this as an opportunity to lift my prayer life, to go to a higher place. I'm going to use this as an opportunity to depend on you even more. I'm going to deepen my prayer life. I'm going to deepen my, my submission and my surrender when it comes to my relationship with you. God, I need you. I need you. Isaiah 40 says, The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. 
Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, we all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being, but God will be faithful to you, period. God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, the nature, and timing of every test or trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you would like to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus today, visit us online at www.theharborli.com backslash next step.